Why is it that children always seem to have more fun than adults? They're always laughing and playing, jumping in puddles. To a child, the world is a giant playground. Everything is wonderful and fascinating. But to adults, not so much. It doesn't have to be that way, though. Join me, Gabriel Siegel, on a return trip to childhood as we rekindle joy and enthusiasm for life. Hey, Puddle Jumpers. Thanks for coming back. I think before we get rolling here, it's important to talk a little bit about happiness. The pursuit of happiness that seems to be the game that most of us are playing. We're always looking ahead to that next thing that needs to happen before we can be happy. If only X happens, I'll finally be okay. And we all know how this goes, right? Eventually, we get what we want. We get a fleeting burst of happiness, and then it's gone. It's on to the next thing. We all intuitively know that this happens and that it doesn't last. But this pattern in our adult lives, it persists. And it's not because we're stupid, but because most of us simply haven't found a better way. It's the norm. And in our global culture, nobody taught us anything but this. You've got to learn something new. You've got to be something else. You've got to change who you are. And never mind the fact that you've been working on this for your whole life with very little to show for it. It doesn't work. So let's start by changing the direction of this equation. Instead of seeing happiness as something to be found in the future, we can start seeing it as something we've already had in the past. As kids, instead of seeing our older, future selves as the ones who finally got it figured out, we can look to our younger, childlike selves as the embodiment of our aspirations. And instead of asking, when will I finally be happy, we can ask, When did I stop being happy? And what am I doing right now that's getting in the way of my own natural joy? If we start to see things in this way, we can then conceive of the idea that we are capable. We're capable of happiness. We might even have that capacity today. It's just a matter of figuring out what I have to stop doing, not what I need to start doing. So let's look to children and see if they really have something to offer us here. We'll have to see, are they really happier than adults? So I did a little research. I've been working with kids for quite some time, uh, but I also did a quick Google. I found this great video on YouTube titled, 100 Kids Tell Us What Makes Them Happy. It's exactly what it sounds like. Kids were asked, what makes them happy? And they answer. Their answers are what you might expect. Rainbows, sprinkles, candy, playing with a friend, etc. There's two takeaways I had from this video I want to share with you. The first thing worth noting is that the things that make these kids happy are small things. Rainbows, candy, playing outside, these are all easy to acquire. They're regular occurrences in daily life for most people, And there's no significant obstacles in the way between a child and getting what makes them happy. Therefore, their happiness is reachable. 
But there's another important thing going on that's easy to miss. The second important thing to note about this video is that the kids are laughing and smiling the whole way through. At no point during the video do these kids have any of the things they say make them happy, and yet their faces are lit with joy. They have this natural glimmer in their eye. So from this, should we assume that doing TV interviews is maybe one of the things that make all children happy? Possibly. But there's a more probable explanation here. And that is that children are happy anyways. Happy naturally. Maybe children don't really know what we're asking them when we ask, what makes you happy? That question might be absurd to children. A question like that only makes sense to someone who's not happy all the time, i.e. adults. What I'm suggesting here is that children don't necessarily get happy as much as they are happy. They can't tell you how they got it because it's not something they acquired. It's just something they were born with. It's just something you were born with. You came out interested and giggling, joyful and enthusiastic. Okay, so even if you're with me so far, you might be thinking, all right, all right, kids are naturally more happy, but what about when they aren't so happy? Surely they're not happy all the time. Yes, children feel physical and emotional pain. They cry, they scream, they get unhappy. Clearly, there are some times when life is not so enjoyable for them. And there's truth here, but there's two things to note about this. First, does the unhappiness of a child really last? Children might have bad, and I'm putting bad in quotes here, children might have bad experiences, but they don't have bad days. Their unhappiness doesn't stick to them. They feel it, and rather quite deeply, and then they move on. By the way, this is something that advanced meditators do, but we'll probably cover that in a later episode. So they feel it, and they move on. One moment, a child might be wailing with sorrow and pain, and the next, they're back jumping in puddles. It's almost like they faced their pain head on. They let it go. They released it. Goodbye. Been there. Done that. And then it's time to play again. Unhappiness doesn't stick to children in the way that it sticks to adults. The other thing to note here has to do with the ease in which children feel and express their unhappiness. They don't hide it. They don't suppress it. You'll know if a child is unhappy or in pain. Believe me. And how lovely is that? There's no games. But adults play games around their unhappiness. It's not socially acceptable to be unpleasant or upset or unhappy. Hey, how's it going? Good. All the time, we tell others, we even tell ourselves, I'm fine, when we're not always fine. We fight our pain, we fight our unhappiness every step of the way. But for children, unhappiness is not so complicated or restricted. When unhappiness doesn't stick to us, or when we can feel our unhappiness head-on without complication, and it passes through us, we can get back to enjoying the other flavors of life. We can experience grief 
and sorrow like a child. And it's actually quite beautiful. It actually adds an exhilarating licorice flavor to life. Which brings us to the goal of this podcast. If we want lasting improvement in our lives, we need to expand our idea of happiness a little bit and come to a more evolved understanding of well-being. Perhaps happiness isn't even the right word, because being happy and being sad is just part of life. You can't have one without the other. And there's nothing that I can share in this podcast that will help you avoid all pain and sadness for your whole life. And even if there was, I wouldn't share it. Because as we'll soon see, avoiding pain is actually one of the problems of adulthood. It's one of the things that adults are so darn good at and children are so very unskilled at doing. This podcast is not called How to Avoid Pain and Always Be Happy Forever and Ever, The End. No, the subtitle is called How to Rekindle Joy and Enthusiasm. So those are our two goals, joy and enthusiasm. Let's talk about those for a moment. Goal number one, joy. I prefer to use the word joy instead of happiness. Think of joy as to enjoy. You can enjoy more of what life has to offer. What does it matter if you're happy or sad? What does it matter if you have happy or sad moments? If you're enjoying more of life, you will be happier. So we're aiming for enjoyment here. Not happiness, not pleasure, not sex, not love, but enjoying whatever life has to offer. Yes, you will be sad at times. But just like kids seem to shrug off their sadness after a good cry, you can learn to do that too. So that's goal number one, to have more joy, to enjoy more of life. And goal number two, Enthusiasm. I looked up the definition. Enthusiasm is intense and eager enjoyment, interest, or approval. We already talked about enjoyment. That's goal number one. But what about the things in your life that, try as you might, you just can't seem to enjoy? At least not yet. In those instances, we fall back on enthusiasm. We can at least cultivate some interest or acceptance, that things just are the way they are right now. You might as well be interested in going on what's in front of you, in your life, whatever it is, whatever you've got. Can you be curious about it? Can you allow it to be there? Can you play and dance with it? This is enthusiasm. Enthusiasm is the opposite of having a numb life. Nobody really wants to be numb. They only want to numb pain. But the ways we try to numb ourselves from pain, well, it numbs us from joy, too. It disconnects us from life itself. So we're going to have to learn to face all of life with a little bit more interest and a little bit more approval. To be enthusiastic about the mystery of life, just like children are. So together, we're going to explore how to cultivate joy and enthusiasm. Not only will this help you be more playful in your life and more likely to jump in puddles, but with more joy and enthusiasm, the quality and depth of your life will significantly improve. 
So far, I have not found an upper limit to this improvement. The more I practice cultivating these qualities, the better my life gets, and I wish the same for you. So let's go jumping in puddles. Let's go make a splash. Mm-hmm.